When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey YA is sponsored by Red or Dead, Book Riot's mystery thriller podcast. Grab your sleuthing hat, readers, and get your thrills with Red or Dead, Book Riot's bi-weekly mystery fiction podcast dedicated to the worlds of mystery and thriller literature. Join hosts and genre experts Rincy and Katie as they catch up on mystery and thriller news, chat about new releases, and recommend your next mystery and thriller reads. Get Red or Dead, that's R-E-A-D, or Dead, on your podcatcher of choice. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. And I have that we are recording on Friday, August 1st, 2020. It is oh. not Friday, August 1st. I so deeply am done with July, but it is in fact July 31st. <laughs> uh, it is Friday, though. So. Yes, we're almost free from this month, though. It's, we're, <laughs> oh, we're almost man. out. <laughs> it's like... July is the November of summer, you know? It's just like it goes on and on and on. <sighs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm starting to read stuff again, so I'm feeling feeling nice about that. I picked up Agnes at the End of the World <clears throat> by Kelly McWilliams at both your urging and, like, loud screaming from some of the authors I work with. Uh, like, Mike Chen wouldn't stop bothering me about it. And, like, everyone's correct. Like, this is absolutely the kind of book I should yep. have been reading already. Like, I, I recently played through all of the, the Last of Us Part 2, which is just this, like, harrowing, depressing video game that makes you feel bad about yourself, which is, you know, a great, <laughs> a great thing to be playing when you're depressed. And it's also takes place during the pandemic and the end of the world and about a young God. woman trying to navigate it. <laughs> and there's also a cult. So, like, okay, this kind of content has consumed my life. Uh, mm. I need to find, uh, I don't know, I need to find what's next in my uh, pandemic cult content that I'm, I'm reading. <laughs> what about you? What's what's going on? I, like, after I had that streak of, like, reading a lot of books, I've now been not really reading a lot of books. <laughs> but I I did read Mickey Kendall's Hood Feminism, which is oh. an adult essay collection. But why readers who are looking for books that define and make it really clear what it means to be a feminist and specifically an intersectional feminist? This is a great, great book. I got to work with Mickey in my first essay collection and got to spend quite a bit of time with her talking about feminism. And she was working on this book at the time. And this is work she has been doing for years and years and years and years. So it was great to read this and literally hear her voice in my head as I was reading it, uh, which doesn't happen a whole lot. And I highly recommend it for anybody who's like, I need a feminist read that is truly intersectional and delves into the sorts of topics that white middle-class feminists don't approach as feminists. Specifically, this one talks a lot about police reform. It talks a lot about school 
reform. It talks a lot about getting into communities of color and understanding that their ways of performing feminism aren't going to look like the nice white lady. And it's a wake-up call, I think, for a lot of readers. So I, I highly recommend it. And again, not YA, but perfectly fine for YA readers and teens who are like, I need something that reflects my vision and my community and or will make me a better ally and accomplice to people who aren't white middle-class ladies. Awesome. That sounds great. Let's pick that up. Yeah. And she, I, I believe she performs the audiobook too. Ooh. So if you're like, I need an audiobook, her voice is so good. This is one that if you don't know her voice, like listen to it in audio because she's great. Awesome. Yeah. I just got that. You know, like Audible, every once in a get while, it's like, buy one, mm. get two free. I have like, I must have like two of those offers sitting in my inbox. <laughs> I just need to just spoil myself with a couple audiobooks. I think so too. I think so too. Let's uh, hit our first sponsor and then we'll dive into our show because we have a pretty fun show today, I think. Yeah. So our first sponsor is TBR, Book Riot subscription service offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new YA books to read but feel overwhelmed by the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes, as well as what you're looking for, and sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too, and TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Do you want to introduce this first topic? Because this is all you. I do. I do. Uh, hold on, I'm scrolling down to all my notes here. <laughs> so yeah, you know, obviously uh, we are seeing lots of protests in the news lately, and it got me thinking about uh, really great protest novels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and whether we're talking about like The Hate You Give or Dear Martin or uh, you know, Tyler Johnson was here, there's just, there's so many fantastic novels about raising your voice and fighting against injustice whether it's racism, sexism, um, you name it. And uh, I just love that we have so many, uh, particularly in times we in, like books that inspire teen readers to, uh, you know, raise their voices. And I thought it might be fun to uh, to dig into a couple of these for um, those of you who are looking for books that uh, reflect the world that we are in. For sure. Do you want to start? I will. And uh, it was funny, you know, I was, so I was writing down uh, some of my favorites from my bookshelf. And like right away, I wrote down like Little Brother by Cory Doctorow. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about all of his other books, and I realized that pretty much, like, literally almost every Cory Doctorow YA novel is about a protest of some <laughs> kind. Um, so Little Brother, Pirate Cinema, For the Win, there's one major thing that comes across in every single one of his novels, and that's standing up to tyrannical power. Um, in Little Brother, it's a government that wants all eyes on everything. In Pirate Cinema, it's, like, overreaching copyright laws. And in For the Win, it's teens fighting against being taken advantage of in virtual worlds, uh, which he also digs into quite a bit in the graphic novel he did with Jen Wang uh, in real life. Uh, so that's four recommendations, just boom, 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 all right there. And, uh, and the fact that Cory Doctorow's books are also always just really riveting and full of like techno, like near future, this could potentially happen kind of stuff uh, makes them really unputdownable. So uh, yeah. Treat yourself to some of Cory Doctorow's books. I feel like you could still get them for free, right? Doesn't he do that on his websites? Like you can get them for free? He does it periodically, yeah. yeah. I don't know right now 
whether it's that case or not. But for readers who are like, I don't have the money to spend and I can't get it from my library, like hang tight and keep an eye on his website. Yeah, yeah. Make sure it's on there. If, if, if it's not on there, don't download it for free somewhere else. That's not, right. that's not cool. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that here. <laughs> no. And honestly, I always say this online. I don't think I say it enough here, but take advantage of your library. Request books that you want from them. They are usually pretty happy to purchase them. This week, in fact... I DM'd my library and was like, hey, you don't have this book I want. Nobody else in the system has it yet. It's brand new. Here's the reviews. Will you buy it? And they're like, yep, we'll have it for you. <laughs> like, sweet. My first pick is Anger is a Gift by Marco Shiro. And this is an award-winning novel and debut from Oshiro that is probably on a lot of readers' radars already, but maybe is one that you haven't yet actively picked up. So this is your reminder to do that. And especially if you want a story about mental health and student protests against racial profiling. The book follows a teenager named Moss whose father was killed by the Oakland police six years ago. He is now a sophomore in high school and he's finding himself and his other classmates of color being openly discriminated against at their school. The police are stationed at their school. They're subject to random locker searches and really harsh rules. They're treated basically as criminals in their own school. So the teens decide to team up and protest this behavior, hoping to bring justice to all students. This is one that if you like The Hate You Give, obviously you'll like this one. But even more, this book, I think, gets at the heart for calls for police reform and defunding, particularly as it relates to how young people of color are automatically criminalized in the public institutions that are theoretically there to help them thrive. It's interesting to think about this book now. It came out, I think, two years ago at this point. It came out at the same time as Don't Call Me Crazy came out, so it's two years. And I think this book has gotten even more relevant and timely as it's been out longer. So I would suggest, even if you have read it, maybe revisit it and, and see see how it feels now. That is Anger is a Gift by Marco Shiro. Excellent. And didn't... Oh, dear. It won, it won some... It won the Schneider. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. So my next pick um, is uh, I Am Alfonso Jones by Tony mm-hmm. Medina. I don't think I've ever talked about this graphic novel on here, which came out back in 2017, I think. Um, I recently ordered a copy because uh, I've been keeping it quite an eye on everything that two books has been doing. And yeah, let me read the uh, the, the jacket copy here. Um, Alfonso Jones can't wait to play the role of Hamlet in his school's hip-hop rendition of the classic Shakespearean play. He also wants to let his best friend, Donetta, know how he really feels about her. But as he is buying his first suit, an off-duty police officer mistakes a clothes hanger for a gun and shoots Alfonso. When Alfonso wakes up in the afterlife, he's on a ghost train guided by well-known victims of police shootings who teach him what he needs to know about this subterranean spiritual world. Meanwhile, Alfonso's family and friends struggle with their grief and seek justice for Alfonso in the streets as they confront their new realities with Alfonso and those he loves, realize the work that lies ahead in the fight for justice. And that is I Am Alfonso Jones by Tony Medina. And it's, uh, yeah, it's sitting right here next to me. I'm excited to read this. I loved it. I read that one probably the year it came out. And it still sticks with me. Like the art, not just the writing, but the art is fantastic in that one. Excellent. My next pick is a new book. It's Running by Natalia Sylvester. And this one came out in early July. It's about a girl named Mari who is not interested in starting a revolution. And this is especially the case because her father is running for president. And 
like she understands how important it is to stand up for what you believe in. And her best friend has been impacted by water pollution that was created by a local real estate developer's new project. And despite the fact she doesn't want to cause a stir, she knows she needs to do something. And she knows that whatever it is she chooses to do is potentially going to impact her father running for president. So her father her entire family, they're Latinx, and so it's especially risky to to speak out and to cause any sort of disturbance that might get in the public eye and, and cause challenges for her father. So what makes it a little bit trickier is that her father has a relationship with that real estate developer, and her father's also not particularly well known for his environmental policies, but... Mari really hopes that by doing something, maybe it will urge him to reconsider his stances and his policies. So the teens stage a protest and it's vocal and active and she really gets the opportunity to see what her passion can do as well as what her activism can do. I wrote a note with this book when I read it because... There is no romance in the book, and I know that that's fairly rare in YA, so it stuck out to me, but I loved the way that Mari's experience of activism runs parallel to her father's campaign, Mm. and throughout the whole thing, her Cuban heritage is at the center of the story. It is awesome. That is one of the like four or five books out this year that were very much election and politically themed with no question. So pick this one up. It's excellent. That is Running by Natalia Sylvester. All right. And, uh, you know, I was so wildly excited when I found out she was st- starting to dive into YA because I have her her adult mm-hmm. novel. It has, like, yeah. the, there's like the circle on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, dear. Oh, well, I remember liking it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can, I can put it in the show notes, but she, yeah, she has an adult novel as well. And this is her first foray into YA and... I believe she just sold another YA book. Oh, excellent. So we'll see more from her, which is great. Her writing was so good. And interestingly, now that I'm thinking about it, both the picks I had, the teens were younger. Both of them were like 15, which is really refreshing. It is. I get really bummed out when I'm not, when I don't see enough like YA for the actual YAs, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But this one does it. Uh, Mari's 15. Oh, excellent. Okay. Let me see. Oh. I have a quick blip to, to dig into, and then I'll then I'll I'll talk about a, a bigger one. But um, when I was digging around looking for for stuff to talk about, I came across uh, Hope Nation by Rose Brock, mm-hmm. which like I completely forgot about. And th- so this anthology came out in like 2018, and it has like huge names in it, uh, sharing messages of hope and resistance with nonfiction pieces and essays, uh, and like Ramina Garber's in it, I.W. Gregorio, Kate Hart, Brenda Kylie, Marie Lou, Angie Thomas, Nick Stone, Aisha. Like it's it's an astonishing list of people. And I feel like this one just kind of like came out and disappeared for some reason. Um, and it's just like a huge tome of like really big name YA authors, um, dishing all these really interesting, uh, interesting essays. Um, like, do you, do you remember this book? I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I do. I have a copy of it in fact, but haven't read it yet. It's like, it's one of those things. It's like, I knew about it. I heard about it, but it for no fault of its own, just didn't get to the top of my, my TBR. But I, like I said, I do own a copy of that one. I purchased that one because I wanted to read through it in part yeah. because there are so many huge names in there. It's wild. And, like, you don't see Angie Thomas in many, like, anthologies, you know? So, ah. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what happened to that one. But uh, a better pick that I have to dig into here. Well, I don't know. Better is the right word, but one to more detail is uh, Audacity uh, by Melanie Crowder. Um, this is another one I haven't read yet, but I just picked it up because oh, I of love my. This one. Yeah, and it's like an inverse book, you know, and it's that whole like I have no attention span right now kind of thing where I'm trying to read, uh, you know, more graphic novels and more inverse projects that'll you know get me reading a little bit more. Um, so I'll, I'll just read the jacket copy here. Uh, so uh, inspired by real life story of Clara Lemick, a spirited young woman who emigrated from Russia to New York at the turn of the 20th century uh, and fought tenaciously for equal rights, bucking the norms of her traditional Jewish family and societal conventions. Clara refuses to accept some standard working conditions in the factories on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Uh, so for years, Clara devotes herself to labor fight, speaking up for those who suffer in silence. Uh, in time, Clara convinces the women in the factories to strike, organize, unionize, culminating in the famous uprising of the 20,000. And that's Audacity by Melody Crowder. And yeah, it's a it's a YA inverse, a historical YA inverse. And it's excellent. I loved it. Oh, good. That makes me extra excited to uh, to dig into it. Yeah, that's one that I think got overlooked when it came out. It's been probably five years now. Yeah. But the historical verse just was so cool. And that it's based on a, a real person made it so compelling and immersive. What is the, uh, oh, shoot. <laughs> but like, I, I recently took down uh, the rest of my bookshelves and now only have like one narrow bookshelf in my upstairs where the toddler cannot get and eat my books. <laughs> so when I look to it for like the books that I want to talk about, if they're not on there, oh, it is on there. The the other YA inverse, uh, Joy McCullough, the blood water paint, mm-hmm. uh, also about a real person. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want more of those. My next pick is This Side of Home by Renee Watson, who is an utter gift to YA. And I feel like this book is one that doesn't get the same level of love as her other ones, probably because it's her, I think it's her debut YA. She wrote a middle grade before this one, but I think this was her first YA book. And it's about gentrification. And the protest in this book does an outstanding job of reminding the characters and readers just how challenging it is to fight for the cause you believe in, but that the payoff in the end is is worth it. So the story follows twin sisters Maya and Nikki, who are watching their Portland neighborhood go from rough and tumble to up and coming. Nikki is super into it since it's bringing a lot of great stuff to the neighborhood, including shops and places she wants to hang out. But Maya is way less into it because it's pushing out a lot of the longtime residents who can't afford to pay the rent and who don't have any interest in these businesses. So the book dives into what each of them are feeling and how it is they might be able to stand up for both the growth as well as supporting the roots in their community and how it is they themselves can be who they are when they are straddling two cultures. It's fabulous. That is This Side of Home by Renee Watson. Right. Then my next one uh, is the book that kind of inspired the entire show. So yeah, I want to talk about We Didn't Ask for This by Adi Al-Said. So this is one I wanted to mention uh, uh, also later on in this. Um, so, so thank you, Adi, if you're listening for inspiring <laughs> all of this. So in this book, we meet this, uh, like massive cast, hint, hint, of teens mm-hmm. and adults who are basically desperately trying to figure out what to do in the wake of a protest that's broken out, uh, on what's supposed to be a fun and playful lock-in night for all the, all the kids. 
So it takes place one of those during one of those events where all the kids get like locked in the school with the teachers or an evening of trouble and ruckus and like, you know, lots of bad food and spiking drinks and all the all the kind of teen hijinks that happen during one of these. Uh, only things go south really fast when some of these kids stage a protest, permanently locking everyone inside the building and on the roof to raise awareness for uh, an environmental disaster that's about to happen nearby. And how one of the students there uh, has a parent involved who can maybe do something uh, about the whole situation. And like, uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in the cast uh, in the, the next part of the, the episode here. But like, I remember reading this book, reading like a really early copy of it, and like just constantly like thinking like, can he do this? Is this mm-hmm. allowed in a YA? And we'll 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 talk about that more uh, later. But it's a really excellent like protest and resistance book. And that's uh, we didn't ask for this by Adi Alsaid. I really enjoyed that one as well for all the reasons that you've hinted on. (laughs) My next pick is Girls Resist, A Guide to Activism, Leadership, and Starting a Revolution by Kaylin Rich. I haven't read this one yet, and as always, I kind of find these books that gender their title annoying, particularly (laughs) because this sounds like a really incredible book for anyone. And I say that not because I'm blaming the author, but because it's probably a marketing decision on the title, and it's leaving out a whole host of different genders who might get a whole lot out of this book. Here's the the little blip. Take on the world and make some serious change with this handbook to everything activism, social justice, and resistance with an in-depth guide to everything from picking a cause, planning a protest, and raising money to running dispute-free meetings, promoting awareness on social media, and being an effective ally. Girls Resist will show you how to go from mad as heck about the way the world is going to effective (laughs) leader who gets stuff done. Veteran feminist organizer Kaylin Rich shares tons of expertise that'll inspire you as much as it teaches you the ropes. Plus, quotes and tips from fellow teen girl activists show just how they stood up for change in their communities. Grab this handbook to crush inequality, start a revolution, and resist. That is Girls Resist, a guide to activism, leadership, and starting a revolution by Kaylin Rich. All right. Now I have a couple that I just wanted to like bullet point because I know we've talked about them (laughs) quite a bit. So we have March by John Lewis, Andrew mm-hmm. Iden, and Nate Powell. Uh, Kelly just recently talked about this in the last episode. There's the whole trilogy. Go pick them all up. It is a must-buy. Moxie by Jennifer Matthew. And I feel like I'm not, like, legally a talk- allowed to talk about this because this is, like, a Kelly Jensen book. Like, I love and There's, it. like, a little <laughs> trademark on there. Um, you know, pair this with Elizabeth Keenan's Rebel Girls mm-hmm. for a weekend of good reads. Feminism for the Real World by Kelly Jensen. Like, I don't know, am I allowed to mention your <laughs> anthology? But uh, I hear you have another one coming out soon, uh, so why not? And then uh, and then Kid Activist by Robin Stevenson. I always feel weird dropping in, like, books I've worked on in my agent life. But uh, for those of you listening with middle-grade-aged readers, uh, maybe check this one out. You learn about the lives of childhood activists. I love that. My last pick is one that might be a little bit counterintuitive for yeah. protest novels, but anybody who has read the book will understand uh, why this one is here, and I would urge anybody who hasn't picked it up to just grab it. It's so good. The book is A Heart in a Body in the World by Deb Coletti, and I'm going to start by saying this is going to be a spoilery discussion because it has <laughs> to be. So if you don't want to hear the spoilers, just know this is one to pick up right now. It was a Prince, I want to say honoree, Prince honoree, and just when I read it, I was fully immersed and didn't know where it was going and yet knew deep in my heart exactly where it was going. Mm. So it's a very feminist YA novel about the ways that toxic masculinity harms each and every person. So Annabelle, the main character, has been the victim of a controlling boy who believes she belongs to him and only him. 
and she is triggered in an incident months after he attacked her at a party to clear her head and to try to do something. Annabelle just starts to run. And suddenly, as she's running, this is her form of protest, she decides that her goal is to run from Seattle, where she lives, all the way to Washington, D.C. She doesn't have any plans for, like, what she hopes this will accomplish, but it's something she really deeply believes she needs to do. And along the way, she connects with her grandfather, who is following along in an RV, and she connects with the entire country, as well as the people who populate it. It's about silent personal protests and the depths to which that movement, that physical movement, that mental movement, that emotional movement impacts Annabelle and how it makes it possible for others to not have to experience what she experienced. It's just fabulous. That is A Heart in a Body in the World by Deb Coletti. All right. So shall we dig into uh, our next sponsor? Yeah. All right. So our next sponsor is Court of Lions, a Mirage novel. Uh, the second novel in the Mirage series by Samaya Dowd. Uh, Court of Lions is the highly anticipated second and final installment of the international best-selling Mirage series. Two identical girls, one a princess, the other a rebel, who will rule the empire. <laughs> I can't wait to read that. I really love the first book. Me too. It was really good. <laughs> So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you to introduce this one because you also came up with this topic. Yeah, okay, sure thing. So yeah, so when we were emailing uh, about topics, uh, the, the again, Adi's book came up. And, you know, I just, I'm such a sucker for like massive casts in YA novels and we don't really see them all that often. Uh, when it comes to Adi's, uh, we didn't ask for this. It's literally like the biggest cast I've ever seen in mm-hmm. a YA novel. Like I was saying earlier, like I remember reading it early and muttering, like, can he do that? Like I was looking around over my shoulder, like we get so <laughs> many like different POVs and thoughts of so many kids in the novel, even some of the adults. Like I feel like it breaks so many rules, quote unquote, that you see in YA books. And yeah, I would I would love to see more books doing like experimental jumping around and shifting like this, because particularly when telling a story like his was a story that involved the literally the entire school that this the uh the protest is happening in like it feels very necessary right to get all mm-hmm. those sort of points of view um so i thought it might be fun to talk about other big old casts when it comes to uh YA novels it was interesting to research this one cuz i could think of some off the top of my head oh yeah then i thought of some afterwards so i immediately thought of we are the wild cats by Siobhan vivian which just came out i want to say that was seven or eight different voices that you get to hear from the story. There's a book called The Kid Table by Andrea Siegel, which came out almost 10 years ago, I want to say. And that is about a giant family. And then there are the ones that I I pulled up as I was researching. Obviously, I first thought of How It Went Down by Kekla Magoon. We we talked about this one as a great example when we were emailing back and forth. Oh, yeah. And I love this book. And it's also... I wouldn't call it a protest book, but it fits neatly with the protest books that we just talked about as well. Mm -hmm. This is a story about a black teenager who was killed by a white boy. And the story is through the voices of everybody who was there, what they saw, what they think they saw, what actually happened in this incident is what the book is trying to get at. Like, who is reliable in telling the story, who has biases, and... 
It's fascinating. There's a companion that just came out last year that I haven't read yet, but I'm super curious to see how that one plays out. Especially this book came out before The Hate You Give and Mm -hmm. didn't get quite the love that it should have received. So I'm fascinated to see now the author revisiting this story many years later and how much more just because of cultural awareness and conversations, how much more that book offers to the story as well. And that is How It Went Down by Kekla Magoon. Yeah. Uh, my next one here is uh, All Your Twisted Secrets by Diana Urban. So I really love this book. This came out this year. Um, and it's it's basically like the most messed up take on The Breakfast Club you've ever seen. Uh, it has like all of those like very tropish characters, like the jock, the popular girl, the you know, angsty musician. And uh-oh, they're all locked in a room together with a syringe of poison. So it's like... Uh, like if, if, like the Breakfast Club was mashed up with like one of those Saw movies or something, you know. Someone has to die. Uh, there's a note there, um, or they all will in this very complicated situation. Um, it's just a ton of fun, and you get the point of view of six different characters jumping around uh, in the story, and that's uh, all your twisted secrets by Diana Urban. I am going to talk about two books. At the same time, the first being The Watch That Ends the Night by Alan Wolf, and then his forthcoming book out in September called The Snow Fell Three Graves Deep. So the first one, The Watch That Ends the Night, is this incredible novel and verse about the night the Titanic sunk. And it's told through 30-some points of view from the folks who were in the upper class at the top of the floors in the ship to inanimate objects, including the iceberg, to the kitchen staff, and to those in the lower class accommodations. And it's this fascinating look at an experience through so many different perspectives. So the forthcoming book, The Snow Fell Three Gates Deep, is similarly done. It's a verse novel. It's a historical verse novel, and it's about the Donner Party, which, interestingly, this is the second YA novel in verse I know about <laughs> the Donner Party, which like is a thing apparently. But here's a little blip for that. I have it. I haven't read it yet, but I can't wait. In 1846, a group of emigrants bound for California face a choice. Continue on their planned route or take a shortcut through the wilderness. 89 of them opt for the untested trail, a decision that plunges them into danger and desperation, and finally, the unthinkable. From extraordinary poet and novelist Ellen Wolfe comes the riveting retelling of the ill-fated journey of the Donner Party across the Sierra Nevadas in the winter of 1846 to 1847. Brilliantly narrated by multiple voices, including world-weary, taunting, and all-knowing hunger itself, this novel and verse examines a notorious chapter in history from various perspectives, among them caravan leaders George Donner and James Reed, Donner's scholarly wife, two Miwok Indian guides, the Reed children, a 16-year-old orphan, and even a pair of oxen. Unprecedented (laughs) in detail and sweep, this haunting epic raises stirring questions about moral ambiguity, hope and resilience, and hunger of all kinds. I just am bursting at how excited I am about this. Like, talk about a project. Yeah. And having seen how he did that in The Watch That Ends the Night, I'm so excited to see it in The Snow Fell Three Graves Jeep. It's verse, it's historical, and it's told through just so many voices that give this really holistic view of 
an event that we all are familiar enough with, but don't necessarily know from as many perspectives as, as we could. A pair of oxen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> one of my, one of my favorite books uh, came out, oh dear, three, four years ago, I think, uh, The Tusk That Did the Damage. This is not YA at all as an adult book, but like, uh, it's, it's a shifting POV book from the perspective of a, uh, a poacher, a mm. documentary filmmaker, and an elephant who the poacher is trying to go after and the, the filmmaker is trying to capture. And the elephant's fairly famous. People call him Gravedigger because he kills people and then buries them with his tusks. <laughs> and the elephant is like driven by revenge because uh, a poacher killed his parents. It's amazing. It's like, it's, it's so good. Yeah, you should totally pick it up if you if you want like a harrowing adult read that has the perspective of an elephant in the in the book. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so my next pick uh, is one I haven't quite gotten to yet, and that's Love Po Taipei by Abigail Hingwen. Um, I haven't read this one yet, but the glittering cover staring at me on my bookshelf. Here's a bit from the jacket copy. This one has a cast of five. And just like that, Everlong Summer takes an unexpected term. Gone is Jin Tan the strict educational program in Taiwan that Ever has been expecting. In his place, she finds Love Boat, a summer-long free-for-all where hookups abound, adults turn a blind eye, snake blood sake flows abundantly, and the nightlife runs non-stop. But not every student is quite what they seem. Uh, Ever is working toward becoming a doctor, but nurses a secret passion for dance. Rick Wu is yell-bound child prodigy, bane of Ever's existence whose perfection hides a secret. Boy-crazy, fashion-obsessed Sophia Ha turns out to have more to her than meets the eye, and under sexy Xavier Ye's shell is buried a shameful truth you will never admit. When these students' lives collide, it's guaranteed to be a summer ever will never forget. And that's Love Po Taipei, which I've been, ah, I need to pick it up and read it soon. My next pick is Seven Ways We Lie by Riley Redgate, and I think this is the only book by Riley Redgate that I haven't read, which is a bummer because I loved her other books. So here's the little little blippity blip. Seven students, seven deadly sins, one secret. Paloma High School is ordinary by anyone's standards. It's got the same cliques, the same prejudices, the same suspect cafeteria food, and like every high school, every student has something to hide. Cat the thespian, who conceals her trust issues on stage, to Valentine, the neurotic genius who's planted the seed of a school scandal. When that scandal bubbles over and rumors of a teacher-student affair surface, everyone starts hunting for someone to blame. For the seven unlikely allies at the heart of it all, the collusion of their seven ordinary-seeming lives results in extraordinary change. So obviously, seven perspectives in this one. And that is Seven Ways We Lie by Riley Redgate. Awesome. And then, yeah, I'm just going to do a quick bullet list of... Uh, so, you know, there's Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. I mean, I, I think it's hard to think about discussing Big Cass and Y without at least bringing that one up. Mm -hmm. And then All of This is True by Ligia de Penafor, um has... Four teens who are caught up in some serious drama with a YA novelist they love, <laughs> which, like, that's so many fun layers for people who are just fans of YA and YA books in general. I've got one more to talk about, and I know I've talked yeah. about it before, but, like, I keep thinking about how enjoyable rom-coms and light reading have been for me lately. And this one hits all those boxes. It's 10 Blind Dates by Ashley Elston. And whenever I think about it, my heart gets a little bit fluttery. 
It's a cute story about this giant loving family that comes together to cheer up Sophie after an unexpected breakup with her longtime boyfriend. So it's set over the course of Christmas break, and each family member sets her up on a blind date. There is romance in the story, of course, and we see these dates, but what makes this so good is just how well fleshed out this giant Sicilian family is and how much they care about Sophie and trying to make her feel better. There are some funny dates on this journey <laughs> and there are people that Sophie is dreading the dates that um, they're going to create. It's just, it's heartwarming and fun and there's sort of a happy ever after too. So this is one that like you're going to read, you're going to smile you're gonna cringe a little and then you'll be like i loved that family and i want more from them that is 10 blind dates by ashley elston all right is that our show i think that's our show all right thanks everybody for tuning in this week of course if you have feedback about the show you can leave it on apple podcasts that lets us know how we're doing and it lets other people find us. Thank you again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. And thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink, who is going to have to edit the fact that <laughs> I just stumbled over the word editor. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Instagram as Hey Kelly Jensen, and you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. All right, goodbye. Bye.